Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't outtrain her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number, I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, this is the spoken edition of Wired. Powered by the Salvation Army. Every day, tough breaks happen to honest folks. But thankfully, every day, good people happen to bad things. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at salvationarmyusa.org. Every startup needs to prepare for its downfall. Silicon Valley lives in denial, so nobody plans for the inevitable. By Ariel Partis. Last year, Jibo, the world's first social robot for the home, began to lose its mind. First came memory problems. The bot started to spend less time swiveling its head like the animated Pixar lamp and more time staring blankly at the wall. Its cognitive demise was slow. Then, fast. At one point, Jibo itself delivered the fatal diagnosis. The servers out there that let me do what I do will be turned off soon, it said in its computerized voice. Once that happens, our interactions with each other are going to be limited. Jibo the robot was dying because Jibo the company was going out of business. Jibo's sudden plunge into digital dementia brought on an outpouring of grief and consternation. People had shelled out $900 for this thing. Could the company really just shut off its servers after a few years? Well, yes. The $70 million in venture funding had run out. People had kept Jibo on their kitchen counters, where it had listened to all kinds of intimate conversations. What would happen to all that voice data now? Would the company delete it or sell it off to another company? And what were you supposed to do with the thing after its blue ring, like a giant digital eyeball blinked shut for the very last time? This wasn't a mere hunk of e waste. Jibo was, in the company's parlance, a member of the family. Surely no one expected the robot to live forever. And yet, somehow, 
it seems no one had fully considered that it wouldn't. Silicon Valley is obsessed with beginnings and growth. It has a million words to describe them. Launch, bootstrap, startup, scale. But the industry lives in embarrassed denial about endings. Companies sunset their unsuccessful ideas, as if sending them off on a Hawaiian vacation. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, founders may devolve into a last-minute fight over the scraps. And customers may be left wondering what happened, like the users of Picture Life, a photo storage service who in 2016 temporarily lost all of its images when the company couldn't afford to keep paying for server space as it was collapsing. Tech leaders know that their businesses must grow or die. But given that 70% of new startups go out of business within five years, you might think that more of them would have plans in place for the die scenario. When they inevitably do fade to black, employees and even managers are often left totally unprepared. Customers have to figure out how to extricate themselves and their data from the wreckage. And society at large is often stuck with a load of garbage, both literal and figurative, to clean up. Consider the piles of yellow bikes strewn across sidewalks and railroad tracks in cities like London, where three dockless bike companies shut down operations this year. And it's not just fledgling startups that are caught by surprise when they begin to falter. This fall, after being valued at $47 billion, WeWork slid toward bankruptcy in a span of six weeks. Analysts had raised their eyebrows at the company's business model for years, WeWork takes on huge liabilities with its long-term leases on commercial buildings, which leaves it vulnerable to fluctuations in market demand. And yet, the implosion came as a violent, sudden shock. In Seattle, WeWork and a real estate partner abruptly pulled out of WeWork's multi-year lease on a 36-story tower, just as the building neared completion. Then, in October, the company announced it would lay off thousands of employees, many of whom had recently been expecting it to go public. Who knows whether WeWork will pull its act together, but the brush with death came a bit too much out of the blue. Even the largest companies will go away someday, or at least fade into a ghost of themselves. Remember Kodak? It's hard to imagine a world without Facebook or Google, but it's arguably important that Facebook and Google imagine precisely that. Every consumer experience will have an ending, says Joe McLeod. It seems bonkers how I have to argue that point sometimes. An energetic Englishman, McLeod advises companies on how to game out their endgames. His business card? Head of Endineering. He has worked with IKEA, Intuit, Logitech, and Spotify, helping them anticipate what he calls closure experiences. According to McLeod, every product faces a cycle of endings, from breakage to customer burnout, to falling behind consumption trends. It's important to plan for each of them, he says. Not all companies do. But McLeod points out that regulations are increasingly forcing businesses to write at least some parts of their last will and testament. In Europe, the new General Data Protection Regulation requires firms to delete personal data at the end of a service contract so that customers retain control of their data whenever they leave a business or when that business ceases to exist. The California Consumer Privacy Act, which goes into effect in January, makes similar demands on how companies store or delete customers' data. 
Those regulations might force even broader conversation about endings, like maybe there should be rules that make companies responsible for their literal waste, too. All too often, it's the public that ends up cleaning up the mess when firms flame out without forethought. Of course, the trouble for consumers, and perhaps for McLeod's consulting business, is that companies may not see much point in ensuring that they'll be good, posthumous citizens. They've got growth to fight for, bills to pay, and investors to charm. If the worst happens, they'll be gone and out of money anyway. McLeod argues that learning how to say goodbye responsibly can actually help a company stay healthy. No business keeps all of its customers forever, and holding on to them too tightly may backfire. People seem to like when companies offer an easy way out of subscriptions and services, he says. Customer loss, of course, is not the final farewell, but there is at least one incentive to imagine that fateful end. A company that sees its own death clearly also has a better chance of seeing its next pivot. Jibo didn't see that far ahead, but it did provide for a future at the 11th hour. As the company's last employees programmed the robot's goodbye speech, its founder reportedly signed a license that would allow developers to continue working on the robot's source code for educational purposes. Jibo itself was dying, but at least it might give life to a new kind of robot someday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.